All right, y'all. So we spent the last three weeks in this series. Today wraps it up. And the whole reason we've been doing this series is because of a problem that existed in the early church, and it still exists today. Here's our core scripture that we've been looking at. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So most Christians understand their relationship with God the Father, and they understand their relationship with Jesus the Son, but then the Holy Spirit just tends to be a mystery to them. Like either they don't know the Holy Spirit or they don't want to know about the Holy Spirit because of the way that somebody else has represented him. That's exactly why we're doing this series, because we all need clarity on who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our lives. So over the past three weeks, we've been, we've dis, been dispelling common myths about the Holy Spirit, and we found out that he's not spooky. He's not even crazy. He doesn't exist for wild church services. He's actually very comforting, and he's the best companion that you'll ever have. And he gives us the power that we need to live our lives in a way that makes a difference. So you can either live your life in your own power, or you can live your life with the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you so that you can actually fulfill what God has planned for you to do long ago. The Holy Spirit even gives us power to live a righteous life. In other words, he enables you to find freedom from all those things that are holding you back. Like he gives you the power you need to walk away from sexual sin. He gives you the power you need to walk away from drug addiction. He even gives you the power you need to walk away from your past and to find freedom from that. Because the truth is, we've all allowed things into our lives that God never intended to be there. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power that you need to move past those things and into the life that God has created for you, which is actually what we talked about last week. See, God has a plan for you, and he's given you spiritual gifts so that you can accomplish that plan. And there's a great variety of spiritual gifts, so there's probably not going to be any two of us in the same room that have the same like set of spiritual gifts or the same calling on our lives. And there's not one spiritual gift that's better than the other. It actually takes all of us operating in our spiritual gifts for this church to reach its potential. For example, like teaching, well, here's how you find your spiritual gifts. It's kind of those things that you're, kind of, you're good at and they, they come easy to you and you're, you're just not quite sure why. Like you didn't go to school for it and it's not even one of your natural abilities, but yet there it is. Like, for example, teaching is not one of my natural abilities. Like, I, get, I tend to get really frustrated when somebody doesn't get what I tell them the first time. And I honestly don't even like telling them the first time. I just want them to be able to get it without me telling them, right? But now I have a spiritual gift to teach because God has put a calling on my life to lead this church. So he's given me the ability to take complicated things and make them simple. So maybe you love to teach kids or go on mission trips or straighten the chairs or clean the bathrooms. And everybody looks at you like you're just a crazy person for liking what you like to do. Like I know, like Jason in the back, he gets here early every Sunday to make coffee and get all that stuff ready for you guys out there. Some of y'all are just like, why would he show up early to do all of that? Because it's his spiritual gift. That's what he was born to do. That's what he was created to do. And he loves serving you guys. It's awesome, isn't it? So it could be healing. Like that could be your gift. It could be prophecy. It could be mercy. Or it could be something practical, like the gift of helps. There's a variety of spiritual gifts, and there's not one that's better than the other. The person who's prophesying is no better than the person that shows up early to make coffee. It takes all of us operating in our own spiritual gifts. Actually, you may, be remember, you may remember this scripture that we looked at last week in 1 Corinthians 12. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can have crazy church services. No, it's given to us so that we can help each other. Spiritual gifts have, have a purpose, and they're not to make you look awesome, and they're not even to make you look super spiritual. 
the gift was given to you so you could help somebody. And we should all be pressing into our spiritual gifts. And then once we find them, we should fan the flame and make them all that they could be, right? So today we're going to talk about being filled with the Spirit, or you may have even heard it referred to as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do first is make sure that we all understand the word baptism. Here's what it means, to be immersed in. There's actually three baptisms available for you along your spiritual journey, and the first one is when you're baptized into the body of Christ. We're talking about salvation. You see, salvation is not the day that you decide to keep coming to church. It's not even the day that you say some prayer that the pastor told you to pray. Salvation is an immersion into your relationship with Jesus. In other words, you're saying goodbye to the way life used to be, and you're fully pressing into a new life with Jesus. You're making a decision that when you're confronted with the Word of God about something that needs to change in your life, you change it because you trust that Jesus knows best. You see, salvation is not a part-time thing where you like just say a prayer and then you come to church every now and then to make sure that God doesn't forget about you. No, salvation is when you make a decision to turn your back on your life, how it was without God, and you fully pursue a life with God. Let me show it to you in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, We've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. What's interesting is the word body here is used to describe the church. I'm not just talking about our church, but I'm talking about every church that proclaims Jesus as Lord. So when you experience salvation, you're not just immersed into a relationship with Jesus, but you're immersed into a relationship with his church. So if you've kind of believed that myth that you can effectively be a Christian and and not be a part of a church and just stay home, it's not true. When you get saved, you're immersed not only into a relationship with Jesus, but a relationship with his church. And here's another scripture, Galatians 3.26 says, For you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. This is a great like visual of salvation. You're taking off your old life, you're taking off those old clothes, and you're putting on a brand new set of clothes. You're putting on a brand new life with Jesus. So if you bought into the lie that salvation is simply like saying a prayer and then going on and living your life unchanged, I'm really glad you're here today because I'm going to show you the truth. And you can make a decision today to turn away from your old life and to immerse yourself into a relationship with Jesus. It's just a decision that you make. Are you going to get it perfect? No? Anybody in here? Go ahead and stand up and tell us how you did it. (laughs) But here's the deal. You cannot go on intentionally living your life in a way that's contrary to God's word and expect to be in a close relationship with Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't suffer and die so that you could have life as usual. Like, he died to take away your sin and to give you the kind of life that you couldn't even dream of. But the choice is yours. Like, do you want to continue living for the temporary pleasures of sexual sin and and drug abuse and gossip and all those things that are mentioned in the Word that it tells us to stay away from? Or do you want to experience eternal, never-ending joy that only comes from immersing yourself into a relationship with Jesus? Here's what I want you to get. Salvation is more than a prayer. It's life change. And it's never too late to turn away from your old life and baptize or immerse yourself into the body of Christ. And then here's the second baptism, water baptism. And it is a separate experience from your salvation experience. In other words, you don't have to get water baptized to be saved. Can we all say amen to that? Do we all understand that? So remember how we talked the last few weeks about you can't earn your salvation? Well, it's not a reward for the good things you've done. It's a gift, 
And that's exactly why you don't have to be water baptized to be saved, because then you would think that it's because of something that you did, which is why you're saved. But it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what Jesus did for you in that gift that he gave you. You can't earn it. It's a gift. And just like we just talked about, it's a gift that causes your life to change. Because when you receive the gift, you immerse yourself into a relationship with Jesus and his church. And some people get hung up on this. Like, how can salvation be a gift, but yet it requires me to have life change? Well, here's the deal. Life change is not a requirement of salvation. It's a byproduct or a result of salvation. So let me give you a visual. Imagine somebody just gave you the house of your dreams. I imagine it would change your life, wouldn't it? Like if you went from a house with one bathroom to a house with four bathrooms, I very seriously doubt you and your family would keep sharing the same bathroom. Or if you went from a house with like barely enough room for your family to a house with more than enough room, you'd probably start inviting people over more and entertaining more. And these things weren't a require they were not a requirement for you to receive the gift of the new house. They were a byproduct or a result of you receiving the house. And that's exactly how salvation works. You receive the free gift, and then it completely changes your life. Seriously, if the best gift ever given didn't change your life, then it's probably time to have a little inner reflection time going on and immerse yourself into a relationship with Jesus so that it can change your life. A little bit off topic there. We were talking about how water baptism doesn't, isn't a requirement for salvation. And now that you understand that, let's talk about the purpose of water baptism. In Acts 2.41, it says those who accepted his message were baptized And the whole reason this exists is so that you can take your decision to follow Jesus and make it public. Let everybody know. It's when you let the church know that you're immersing yourself into a relationship with Jesus. So the first baptism we talked about, baptism into the body of Christ, it's generally a private decision. Some of you might make that decision this morning, right where you sit. Others may go home today, ponder on this message, and then make that decision right in your bedroom or maybe tomorrow, or in the car, or something like that. And that's the beauty of salvation. Like, you don't have to say a certain prayer. You don't even have to wait for the altar call. And you don't have to be at church for it to happen. You can make the decision to immerse yourself into a relationship with Jesus right where you sit. When you go home today or when you're in the car tomorrow, there's no requirement on when and how it happens. You're simply making a decision to say goodbye to your old life and fully pressing into a new life with Jesus. In water baptisms, when you let all of us know what you just did. It's no different than a wedding ceremony when, you know, a couple lets the whole world know that they're joining their lives together. Water baptism is important also because it solidifies that decision you made. Because how many of you know that whenever you decide to give your life to Jesus, the enemy is going to do everything he can to pull you back the other way? But whenever you get water baptized and you let everybody else around you know what you just did, then I can say, hey, when I see you going the other direction, Come back over here. The enemy's lying to you. That's why you need to let people know. And here's how Jesus explains it. Matthew 10, 32 says, Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. But don't let this scare you. Just let it motivate you to take your faith public through water baptism. And if that's something that you need to do, if that's something that you want to do, We're more than happy to do that here. We actually have a portable baptism that we can bring in and put right here in the front. So if that's you, you just need to let me know after service, and we'll get that scheduled in the next week or two so that you can do that make your faith public. All right, so we're talking about the three baptisms in the Bible. The first was baptism into the body of Christ. The second was water baptism. And here's the third, baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
Let me show you in Scripture how all three of these baptisms work together. It's found in Acts 8. It says Philip went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. So here we have the first baptism when they believed. And then the second baptism, water baptism, says down there at the bottom, and let's keep reading to see what happens next. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But then Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So all this time you may have wondered, why are there three different baptisms? It might be starting to make sense now. The first one is personal, yet it has nothing to do with you. It's when you receive the free gift of salvation and immerse yourself into a relationship with Jesus. And the second one is when you let those people around you know what happened on the inside. It's a proclamation that your life now belongs to Jesus. And now that it's come from the inside to the outside, it's time for you to put this gift to work by going around and doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil, just like you used to be before the first baptism, right? In order to be effective, you actually need the third baptism, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is when his power comes upon you to live your life in a way that makes a difference. It's not so that you can have a crazy church experience. I hate to break it to you for those who are wanting that. But it's when you receive power to live limitless life in Jesus so that your life can impact the world. And now let me bring it home with this scripture found in 1 John 5, 7 through 8. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So we're talking about the Trinity here. God the Father, God the Son, which is also referred to as the Word, and the Holy Spirit. All of these three things are in heaven, and they all agree as one. Then it goes on to say, and there are three that bear witness here on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three things agree as one. So here we can see the, the three different baptisms we talked about, right? The blood represents baptism into the body of Christ, or salvation. And then there's water baptism. Then there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. And all these three things, they work together, and they're one. So you probably don't find salvation to be weird. And you probably don't find water baptism to be weird either. So we shouldn't find baptism in the Holy Spirit to be weird, because they're all three the same thing. And they all agree, and they're all one. Now you can probably understand why the enemy works so hard to keep you away from that third baptism, right? So the first two have to, be, have to do with you being pulled out of the devil's realm and into God's presence, right? And he hates that on its own, but the third baptism is what lights you on fire to bring other people out of the kingdom of the devil and get them into the kingdom of God. You can understand why he doesn't want you to have that third baptism. He lost you by the first two, but he's going to lose a whole lot more people if you happen to grab a hold of that third baptism. If he can keep you from receiving that power, then he can keep you living your nice little Christian life. And that's not the best case scenario for the devil, but it's not the worst either. But I say we give the devil his worst nightmare, and every single person here get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's all set aside all that bad stuff that we've heard about the Holy Spirit leading up to now and just trust that the Holy Spirit is good. He was a good gift given to us because we have a mission to accomplish. We're here to show the world limitless life in Jesus. And when we live this kind of life empowered by the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, it will make an impact for Jesus. It'll change the world. Now, some of y'all might be starting to get a little nervous. Like, is this, 
the part of the service where we start speaking in tongues or passing out or whatever. But just relax. I'm actually going to give you four steps to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. You got to remove all barriers. In order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to get rid of all those things that are in the way. And this isn't just a spiritual truth, but it even works in other areas of our life as well. For example, to have a closer relationship with your spouse, you have to get rid of all the barriers. Like maybe you need to forgive them for something that they've done. Or maybe you need to come clean about a pornography problem that you have and find freedom. Those two things are barriers that will hinder your relationship with your spouse. Now, when it comes to barriers between you and the Holy Spirit, maybe you need to let go of those things that you've believed about the Holy Spirit that were negative up until now. Or maybe you've been living in habitual sin, and you need to find freedom from that so you can remove that barrier, because here's how Peter explains it. Acts 2.38, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you see the word then, that means there's a condition beforehand, right? And the word repent scares a lot of people. But here's the simple truth. That word repent simply means turn the other direction. Turn away from your sins and turn towards God. Say goodbye to your old life and press into a new life with Jesus. And if you haven't done this already, that's your first step. And you can make that decision right where you sit doesn't mean that you'll never mess up again, but what it does mean is that you're no longer going to live contrary to God's word as if it's okay. You're going to listen to that voice on the inside of you, and you're going to turn the other way, because here's the deal. The power of Jesus didn't just cover your sin. It took it away. The power of Jesus is freedom from sin, not a pass from sin so that you can get to eternal life. Does that make sense to you guys? He wants you to live in freedom. So whatever the barrier is between you and the Holy Spirit, you got to remove it. And then you're ready for step two, which is when you request the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is when you open yourself to everything that the Holy Spirit has for you. Like you can't put conditions on it. You can't say, yeah, Holy Spirit, I'd like you in my life, but, you know, just don't do any of that crazy stuff. I don't want any of that. But don't don't put any conditions on it. Put your guard down and just trust that everything that God has for you is good. It doesn't mean it'll be normal. But who wants a normal life anyway? I don't. So don't be afraid of speaking in tongues. Don't be afraid of prophecy or whatever that spiritual gift is that scares you the most. Instead, you just got to put down your guard and receive all that God has for you because all of it's good. Let me show you what I mean in Scripture. Luke eleven thirteen says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? So now that your guard's down, some of you just simply need to say, Holy Spirit, I want all of you in my life. No conditions. Don't hold back. And then you can receive him by faith. And you know what? You may not like this part about God, that you have to receive things by faith. That's just how he rolls. To receive pretty much anything from God, you have to take a leap. It's kind of like you're standing before this line. And on, on, on your side of the line is everything you know and understand. And on the other side of that line is things you don't understand. It's, it's the unknown. And the only way you're going to find out what's over there is to step on over there and find out. You step over the line, even though it's uncomfortable, and you do that for one reason, because you want everything that God has for you. And here's an example from the Old Testament that actually illustrates this really well. It's found in Ezekiel. 
It says, measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across, and the water was up to my ankles. So this is kind of like that first baptism we talked about where you received salvation. And this is where a lot of people stay in their spiritual journey, about ankle deep. They're saved and they're going to heaven, but they don't want anything to do with those people that are out there swimming in those deep waters. Lord, no. Scary out there. Let's keep reading. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again, and this time the water was up to my knees. So these are those people who come to church and they're like, you ain't going to catch me singing or raising my hands, but I'm going to be at church. I promise you that. And then that third song hits, you know, and then they're, you kind of catch them over there like with their hand kind of hidden but up a little bit and they're singing out a little bit, but they're making sure that nobody's looking at them. But let's keep reading. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. So now you're singing every song and you're singing it proud. And you may even be willing to say a prayer during your small group that week. But here's what I want you to notice about all of these. You're wet, but you're still in control. Your feet are still on the ground. The water may be up to your waist, and you may be wobbling a bit, but God, I still need to maintain control of what you're doing in my life, because I just don't know that I could let you loose. But look at what happens next. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And here's what I want you to get from this. Like, you can stay ankle deep, and that's okay. But you're always going to be looking out there to those people in the deep and kind of wishing you were out there, but just not knowing how to get there. I want you to know this. God is not, he's not in a hurry. You don't have to go from ankle deep to diving in. You could if you wanted to. It's up to you. The only one that's critical is that first baptism we talked about earlier, where you're baptized into the body of Christ, where you receive salvation as a free gift and you immerse yourself into a relationship with Jesus. That is the critical decision that you have to make. And then you can just take things a step at a time, like go from ankle deep to knee deep and then knee deep to waist deep and then jump in and swim after that. There's no rush, but there's also no reason to wait. We should all be pressing in to everything that God has for us. Keep taking leaps into the unknown. We're talking about having faith that God knows what he's doing, even when we don't understand it, right? And here's why we should dedicate ourselves to this kind of life, because in Hebrews eleven six it says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So on the other side of that line that we talked about earlier is a reward. And God wants you to have all of his rewards. He wants you to trust him so that you can receive those. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He knows full well you can't pull that off. I can't do it, and you can't either. But what he's looking for you is to open your heart to what's next. In other words, he wants you to always be asking that question, Lord, what's what's the next step? Help me to take that next step. This is a journey we're all on, and some of us are on different parts of this journey. Like, you may be at the beginning of your spiritual journey, or you may be waist deep. Wherever you are, don't fret. But let me encourage you to not stay there, but to just go ahead and take that next step.